Welcome to Five Start Weekly. 2020 has officially started and we're gonna get into that by reviewing Atlantia had its first leg clash in the CONCACAF Champions League. Plus we take a dip into the mailbag. All that and more coming up. Welcome to the show, Five Star Fam. I'm AJ and this is Tanner McLeod. And wherever it is you get your pods, subscribe, share, and leave us a good rating. This segment is sponsored by Thinking Man Tavern, a cozy neighborhood pub you should definitely check out for your next Atlanta United watch party. Grab a tasty beverage from a wide variety of selections and a plate of something delicious from the menu. They also have trivia nights, board games, darts, a great place to just chill and enjoy yourself. Check out Thinking Man Tavern. Ah, it feels great to finally have Atlanta United back. And Atlanta United played its first competitive match of 2020. So let's get right into the review. So looking at the lineup that they put out, now it's a little bit different now. They don't actually have the formation, which is uh, a lot more interesting. But... Well, it was never right anyway. It was always just like, <laughs> this is what we could play, but we're not playing. Because they would show a four-man back line, and it was always a back three in the second half of the season. But yeah, we have the, the, the lineup up on the screen, and it's... Interesting because there's some square pegs and round holes and also some interesting names in some interesting places Mo Adams ended up playing right back I don't think really any of us expected him to be on that side of the field as a fullback and Franco Escobar flipped over to the left And then the club played a 4-3-3 which is something that we've talked about and Frank DeBoer said is a formation He's comfortable with but we find out the first time they trained it all preseason was Sunday And they go out and they get a draw against FC Matagua in a tough condition in Honduras for the first match of the year Yeah, and it ain't too bad uh, But yeah in terms of Mo Adams being in it was because Brooks Lennon uh, Probably was going to be the starter, but he had picked up a knock in training with his ankle And so yeah, Mo Adams gets kind of thrust into uh, action where yeah, it's a very unfamiliar backline for sure. Well, I think three of the four that. were not playing for Atlanta United last season. And Anton <laughs> Walks, Fernando Mesa, and then uh, Brooks, or not Brooks Lennon. Well, I, I guess two of them were, Brooks Lennon comes on later. But you had three defenders that make their debut for Atlanta United or their re-debut, I guess, if you count Walks. Exactly. And uh, in terms of debuts, yes, it was Mesa. It was Adam, uh, Adam John. It's weird. I, I think I'm trying to maybe yeah. channel his uh, his English way that he actually uh, said in a uh, IG story for Atlanta United as well. But, uh, and Brooks Lennon also made his uh, full debut as well, or official debut. So, uh, but yeah, in terms of this match, um, yeah, a little dodgy at the start, a little bit, felt a little like a preseason match, uh, yeah. But I think you saw the glimpses of what we were trying to do, maybe just wasn't as crisp as we wanted. But then we get caught out on, uh, yeah, we're trying to attack. And then, uh, yeah, you know what? Mo Adams loses the ball, finds himself way out to see. Matago attacks, and unfortunately, he can't recover his position. And possibly from some miscommunication and unfamiliarity of playing together, the two center backs both kind of go to the same guy and draw themselves to the near post. And then because Mo Adams couldn't get back, there's a guy free at the back, and then boom, you're 1-0 down, despite, I thought, having played okay. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the things with this is that you wanted to see the mis you didn't want to see the same mistakes that were made last year against Herediano, and I think for the most part you didn't. The positive was is that unlike Herediano last year, where once things kind of started going bad, everything fell apart. This year, Atlanta United responded immediately and showed that they got a bit of backbone. Right, it was a very very quick response. And yeah, I mean this interplay and combination play, whew, it is just oh, so more tasty. of this, please. Yes, but uh, yeah, there's a little another back heel flip from Joseph. Uh, and then PT, he settles it well, plays a 1-2. Jose Martinez does what he does, slots it into the bottom left corner with a plum 
off of the uh, off the post as well. I mean, really, really well taken. But uh, yeah, it's just one of those uh, where I mean, it really is a stark difference from really much of the games where we went down early last year, because that was such a problem. When we went down, our heads dropped, and then we would concede another goal. And uh, definitely, I think you saw a difference here. Uh, definitely more fight, definitely more grit, and definitely more focus on what the game plan was. And it really was to, yeah, I, I think going in, I think Frank DeBoer uh, said that, you know, a draw was okay. And really, you could see that after we drew a level, yeah, we, uh, we maybe really didn't take as many risks as we uh, probably would have. But uh, I think overall, it's, you know, very positive in terms of not only the result, but, you know, the performance overall is really quite good because... Given the circumstances. Yeah, all these circumstances of, you know, having players out on visa uh, issues, players out with injury, I mean, makeshift back line, and I would say even, uh, you know, for the midfield, you have a lot of guys that are still trying to bet in what their role is in midfield. Uh, and yeah. You're playing in a three-man midfield system that you haven't been comfortable with before. And I thought that Rometty actually, I thought was decent at times. Jeff Lerner said what he had to do. I thought Emerson Hyndman, and I've spoken highly of him because I think he's a decent player didn't have his best game as far as I'm concerned. I think he struggled to assert himself on the match a little bit. But again, he's still trying to figure it out. He's I still trying though, to figure it out. His new position I, exactly. And trying to figure out how you deeper. want Yeah, how you want to function in the in a three-man midfield is very different than how Atlanta United were functioning last year when they played 3-5-2. And again, this is something they didn't train until Sunday and you're missing a lot of pieces. You, you don't have to, you know, paint a beautiful picture first time out. You need to get a decent result. You needed to not be 3-1 down like you were last year. So you're bringing it back and, and you're going to put yourself you put yourself in a great position to advance. And that's the only thing you can really ask, especially against a team that is leading their domestic league. And they've already played eight, nine matches so far this season. So they're right. in the swing of things. They are Undefeated at home since October. I mean, exactly. lots of things that were not going our way. And that wasn't really, yeah. a, I guess, a home game because it wasn't at their home stadium in a sense. But right. At the same time, this was a tough trip for Atlanta United to make to a tough place to play. It's CONCACAF Champions League. It's your first match of the season. You can't be upset with the result. And obviously a win would have been great, but a draw, I'm not going to complain about. And again, one of the things that we didn't find out until after the game was not only were we missing all these players because of you know injuries or visa issues, but considerably our best player was actually sick. Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he pretty much had a fever ahead of the game. And yeah, he had probably uh, was, you know, a kind of probable for the game if he was actually going to play or not. Who knows, but he did play. And by and, he, we mean Joseph Martinez. Of yeah, course. exactly. Joseph Martinez, wow. I mean, to be able to do that, it was almost like a flu game. Um, I mean, wow. You know, if you're unfamiliar with the flu game, Google Michael Jordan, Game 5, 1997, NBA Finals against the Utah Jazz. Yeah, he went off despite pretty much, I think it was food poisoning probably more so than an actual flu, but either way, he was under the weather. He was very sick. Yeah, but Joseph Martinez, wow. I mean, uh, to be able to do that on, at, you know, this level of the, uh, you know, just the first match of the season, essentially, that uh, is official, I mean. And just, to play the full match, get a yellow. <laughs> get yeah, booked for, for sticking his ass into somebody. <laughs> I mean, speaking of that, like, the officiating in that game was very concacafy, especially the second half. The second half was just like, and Lansing Adam would have a player that get pushed, no call. Not even five seconds later, uh, Matagua has a player that's 
looked at the wrong way, right. and it's a foul, and it's just like, Very what is going yeah. on? Like for like fouls, they just were not called. I would even say, I mean, because, yeah, Franco Esquire, yes, does get a lot of yellows. I mean, I don't know, like that yellow that he actually got, you know, could have so, gotten yellow for something else. Yeah, but <laughs> this is true. And yeah, so there was a case where it's like, oh, is he, you know, should he have gotten two? Whatever it is, it's fine. Uh, but either way, uh, in terms of some of the stats for this game, um, yeah, PT Martinez actually was uh, the team high uh, in terms of pass accuracy. He had 86% of his passes uh, on on point, rather. And, he completed uh, 80. And I think the thing about PT Martinez is that, and it was just talked about. DeBoer's post-match press conference was all in Spanish, so that's why we're not going to have any quotes today, just so there's no mistranslation or anything silly. But, you know, it was talked about this wasn't really a game that fit Pity Martinez's style based on how the game was played. And yet, he had a very good game, I thought. Very influential, for sure. It was disappointing to see him subbed out, but Adam John comes in and actually, I thought, played decently well for what he was being asked to do. So, if Pity Martinez can play in a game like this, that, that could be a very good sign going forward into the season where you're going to have other MLS teams that, if we're being honest, you know, kind of shithouse their way through things. So, that's a good sign. And yeah, to have the highest pass completion on a team that didn't complete that many passes, 75%, that's good. Yeah, definitely he's not usually up there as one of those guys, and especially, you know, he's definitely thinking more forward than most of the other players. Uh, but, you know, Adam John, yes, uh, he won four of his five duels. Uh, and that's, In the short time he was on the field. Right, exactly. It was like a few minutes, really. And uh, yeah, including three aerial opportunities. So yeah, that's massive in that we have a different way to play at the end of the games or even, uh, you know, maybe a halftime sub. You know, it really, if we needed it, it's really something that, um, you know, is good going forward to just give that different dynamic. But, and I think Brendan Vasquez did offer some things in terms of physicality, but in terms of dominance in the air, this is something that Adam John can bring to Atlantia. United, that is definitely a different tool that United have not really had before outside of maybe Kenwin Jones, but he never really did it, I guess. Yeah, like it's something he was... that he could have been good at, but he never did. So Right. And yeah. uh but either way, you know, this isn't the Kenwin Jones review, so but uh yeah he it, played for us, isn't that did. weird? Like know, it, he was it our was. first number nine. Yeah. And uh Man, yeah, but anyway, so uh, in terms of, um, yeah, like the man of the match, I mean, is there someone that really stuck out to you? Because, I mean, yeah, it is, this is a, a difficult match to actually pick out maybe who the, you know, the main man was. Um, yeah, I think it's probably between two players. It's either got to be Joseph Martinez or PT Martinez. Um, Joseph gets the goal with PT, I thought, with his pass completion percentage. And in terms of what he did to impress me, you know, Joseph does what Joseph does, but PT really had an impact on this game, and I didn't think he would to the degree that he did. And he had a really good shot in the second half with his right foot, which I didn't know that he had. Um, I thought it was just a standing leg, and yeah, he smashed it. And unfortunately, the keeper makes a good save, but. Uh, I'd also potentially throw in a, Ferman a Fernando Mesa because he, I thought, didn't do too much wrong outside of missing that one kind of cross into the box in the first half. But from a center back, I thought he was calm on the ball. I thought he was composed. He kept it simple. He's not going to give you the deep passing range of LGP, but I although it was his uh, his lob yeah. lob pass that uh, that ended up uh, with Joseph, Joseph getting into the back of the net. So I think he's definitely something from that first performance that that gives me a bit you know of confidence in him at the back. But if I had to pick one. I'd probably go PT Martinez. Yeah, I think for me, Brad Guzan, I mean, stood on his head in the second half, uh, five saves in the second half. I mean, uh, I think really only a handful of other times that he's made five saves uh, in a game like that where it was, yeah, just, you know, very, very, I think, 
important the type of saves that he did. And that kept us um, in the match because it could have easily been a 3 1 to Matagua, and we're yeah. sitting here talking about Herediana 2.0. Right, exactly. And so, uh, in terms of, I think, another person maybe is uh, Franco Escobar, who had, I think, 11 ball recoveries, uh, yeah, four interceptions. I mean, for the person that's not really accustomed to playing on the left side, he really made it comfortable. I mean, he showed out. Is that a position once Brooks Lennon is fit, if he's playing in a back four, do you think you could see Brooks Lennon on the right and Franco Escobar taking that spot on the left? Yeah, it's very interesting because, yeah, if we're you know, continuing to have a really kind of spinal tap situation at left back, then yeah, I think you you know, get a guy that's at least, uh, you know, he's very capable, obviously. Uh, and well, you know, as, as long as he stays away from Brad Guzan, yeah, he stays pretty healthy. <laughs> so yeah, pretty good, I think, uh, pretty good chance that he would see more left uh, time at left back because yeah, he definitely showed that he is more than capable on the side. I think almost even, yeah, kind of behind Guzan, my, my man of the match. But uh, either way though, uh, there still was uh, something that, I mean, you know, maybe worried some people, and so that's why I, I mention it, is that they had 30 crosses, Matagua. And uh, yeah, a lot of them were kind of low percentage, a lot of them were low quality, uh, and that's kind of what they do to begin with. Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, they have uh, forwards that are looking to, you know, kind of really uh, crash into the box. They have, you know, throw a lot of players forward when they do cross it. That's uh, their game. and. Really, it really kind of was inconsequential at the end of the day because, yeah, we either dealt with it fairly well or they were low quality. Or they couldn't take advantage of the opportunities when they did actually have a good ball left in. Yeah, it's funny how bad, it's yeah. funny how we mentioned the, the 30 crosses because, like, that is a lot of crosses. It um, is a lot There of is the running <laughs> joke of when uh, David Moyes, the manager of Manchester United, got to get the mention in somehow. The 81 or was 81 or 82 cross game against Fulham, I was at that game. Oh, my God. So I know what it's like to see a bunch of crosses just over and over and over again. So it's just like, I, last time I'm watching the game, I was like, this team is crossing the ball a lot. Three times more than that, basically. <laughs> that's all. Yeah, and, and we only had 12. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, I don't think that's really crossing is really Atlanta United's game unless you have right. John in there. But Yeah, and yeah. that's where, yeah, I think if you can be more incisive through the middle, that's really where the danger really lies because, uh, yeah, it showed on our goal that, yeah, we just cut them open with some really neat combination play. And, uh, yeah, we were able to... Yeah, at the end of the day, uh, this 1-1 uh, draw really sets us up well because we have the away goal. And then at KSU, we really don't even need to score as long as they don't score. But uh, if we are level, of course, uh, if it's, I believe, at 1-1, then we would uh, go to uh, you know extra time, penalties, if, uh, if it Gods, were. no. But, uh, but no. the the scenarios of uh, you know us getting through are a lot higher because of this result. So uh, all in all, a very 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 good night. Um, it's just a matter of yeah. I mean, if we had taken maybe some of our other chances, it'd be a hell of a good night. But uh, it is one of those still. Uh, Matago are a good side. You still cannot uh, you know discount them even at KSU. So yeah, it is pretty vital that we still stick with a game plan of. Uh, if we can, you know, bring in some other guys that were not able to play a part in this match, uh, we should be able to hopefully do the business. But uh, yeah, uh, some 
really, I think, notable things from this match as well was that Brad Guzan uh, made his 99th competitive appearance for Atlanta United. I believe he's somewhere in uh, the top 10. I think he's sixth on the all-time list. Obviously, a lot of those people on the all-time list are gone, unfortunately. Um, and yeah, that uh, Brad Guzan made five saves tonight, which is more than any SCCL match last year. And it's the 13th time in his Atlanta United career that he's finished a match with five or more saves. So, uh, quite a good night for him, for sure. But uh, that does it for the match review, and let's get into the news. Uh, so, a little bit of an injury report is that Miles Robinson and his quad, he's apparently week-to-week. Week. Uh, in terms of the actual like prognosis of how many weeks is unknown. So, uh, yeah, he definitely will at least miss the uh, next CCL match, probably, probably yeah, the opener. And we'll Which, see. I just saw the weather report for that Nashville game. 24 God degrees. help everyone who's going to, and it's like 30 mile an hour wind gusts. 80% and it, per, uh, precipitation. Yep, and, it's, and it, said, it like said feels like, and then it said 10 degrees. No thanks. Yeah. I like a dome. Yeah. A dome is great. There are times where I'm not the biggest fan of Atlanta weather, but holy crap, we don't ever really get that type of- uh, That's miserable. Yeah. No thanks. And so- Good luck. God, yeah, yeah. He's not going to be there, unfortunately. I'm going to be in Vegas. It's not going to be 10 degrees outside. It's going to be great. It will not. Definitely will not be. But uh, yeah, he's going to a wedding. So, well, yeah. bachelor party before bachelor the wedding. Party. Oh, sure. The wedding is not in Vegas. Oh, Jesus. My friends are far too classy for that. <laughs> wow. All right. But anyway, so uh, moving on from that, George Bello, of course, has a concussion, unfortunately, and hopefully he... Uh, you know, gets well as soon as possible, but yeah, he already has mentioned that he's already feeling much better and that it wasn't as serious as it looked, for sure. Uh, also, Edgar Castillo, his rib uh, injury, which seems to be kind of a lingering thing with him because he actually missed our, that when he was playing for New England Revolution, uh, our playoff game against them with a rib injury. I don't know if it's the same rib injury, but and if it's something that's just like uh, you know re-aggravating. But either way, it's a little worrisome. But hopefully, he also returns as soon as possible. Uh, but uh, also, Manuel Castro, he uh, apparently is in Uruguay now. His uh, <laughs> his birth country, uh, because yeah, yeah. I mean, he still hasn't even met the team. He hasn't even traveled here to take uh, photos uh, in a kit at all. I mean, pretty much we have an announcement of a player and we don't have him yet. And Did so, we trade our legal team for Tam in the off season and not talk about it? Yeah, maybe, man. Yeah, no. <laughs> like genuinely, all the work permit issues is just like everything's been great. It used to just be green cards passing him out, yeah. like cash. And I think there's some like, other maybe political things that we won't yeah. get into here yeah, for the reason why. Yeah. But uh, in terms of other guys that are dealing with that, Jake Mulraney and Mateus Joseto are also dealing with visa permitted things, but. The good news is that Mulraney and Joseto are likely going to be available for next Tuesday. So, good news there. And speaking of Jake Mulraney, he uh, he spoke with the uh, the 42.ie, seems to be a, uh, a Scottish site, um, and or Irish, right? Irish. Irish? Think, yeah. yeah, there we go. But uh, yeah, pretty much talked about uh, his move to Atlanta United and some other things. Really great article, you should check it out. We'll have it in the description box below. But uh, some of the notable quotes about Atlanta United, he said, the mad thing is that I was watching two MLS games at the end of last year, and I remember saying to the missus, this is a very good league. And then the interest from Atlanta United started up. That's 
yeah, very coincidental, I almost feel like. But um, yeah, and he said, I did speak to a lot of people about it and everyone had positive things to say about the league. The only downside is the distance and the travel and being so far away from home with a young family. But people definitely underestimate the quality, even though I've only been there a short time. I was taken aback a little bit by the players, some of the South America boys, very technical, really nice on the ball, composed, good range of passing, unbelievable first touch. It's very different to what I've been used to seeing. So it's something that, yeah, I think he will be kind of uh, relishing being able to actually play on the ball a lot more versus probably being a little bit more of a negative side uh, with hearts where they Hearts were, are a complete shambles this season. Yeah, as as they're in a relegation battle. They're going to get relegated. Yeah, and uh, they're basically, yeah, they're not trying to play on the ball. So it's, it's hopefully. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, a guy like him just didn't really make sense in their setup anymore. And so, yeah, this seems to be a good move for him because, yeah, he is a guy that will take on a player, will dribble at you, and, uh, yeah, has really really good pace I feel and like. And he's also, so. and the difference in some people might can try to compare him, you know, well why did you get him and you had a Tito Bijalba. Um, Lorraine has spoken that he's comfortable playing left wing, left wing back, or left back. He's comfortable playing anywhere up and down the left and he's shown that, you know, he said at least that he would want to play any of the positions just to get on the field and that's important because it gives him flexibility so I think he will play a part for Atlanta United this year. Yeah, and hopefully he does uh, to a very, very good degree. But uh, moving on from that, uh, DeBoer talked about George Campbell and the, kind of his progression uh, and maybe why he didn't uh, actually, as some maybe uh, speculated that he would be, you know, part of the eleven. But uh, I think you weren't the only one, though. So I mean, it's just it wrong just and everything. Sense. It's fine. It just made sense, though. Uh, that yeah, you know, most people would I think think that uh, he would have played a part. But uh, why he didn't start on Tuesday? Uh, DeBoer said he said he's a great prospect for the future, but still has doubts about such a young kid handling the pressure of a game like tomorrow or you know what it was on Monday. Uh, talking about Tuesday, and so uh, yeah, I think Campbell will definitely play a larger part during the season, but he's just needing a, a little bit more of a betting in, uh, time, and definitely wasn't maybe as experienced as you needed for a match that that important. So um, yeah, uh, also uh, Atlanta United signed Philip Goodrum a Ford on a four-day contract for Tuesday's match. Which I think speaks to, I think, the really lack of depth that we are not only experiencing uh, because of visa issues, injuries, but I mean, wow, it's just how shallow we are. We couldn't even fill out an entire 18. Even with him, it even was still with one, him. one sub short of a full yeah. 18. And so, yeah, he's a super draftee. I mean, he signed with Atlanta uh, 2, and pretty much, yeah, he will return to Atlanta 2 after that. But um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think someone that I think if he actually uh, made the 18, very interesting because of, uh, yeah, like he maybe is eyed as someone that can take a part in it. So, really good. Um, and moving on from that, uh, when the team was in Honduras, PT Martinez was pretty much, I guess, uh, drawn out by uh, River Plate supporters in Honduras that uh, really, I mean, wow, the fact that he got a plaque, uh, you know, commemorating his time at River Plate in Honduras. I mean, that's insane, you know? And so it speaks to the volume of his impact, uh, you know, not only with River Plate fans, but, you know, just people that love P.T. Martinez. So uh, really huge and I think, you know, great to see for someone that I think definitely a lot, much maligned by a lot of people, but uh, especially in Atlanta and I guess, Sure, uh, you know, River Plate fans initially didn't take to him as well, but this is a big, big season for P.T. Martinez. Uh, 
Uh, and moving on from that, uh, Liam Curran uh, is now the first team uh, goalkeeper coach. He moves from the academy side to the LNEI2 side to now the first team. I mean, that's a glow up, man. That is massive uh, for uh, Curran because, yeah, I mean, you know, he's a guy that's been there since the beginning. And uh, yeah, I mean, I think, you know, you like to see guys being promoted from within in any sort of uh, scenario with any company. So yeah, there's only one negative about him and he coached at Clemson. So, <laughs> yeah, if you know me. Uh, oh, well, oh. but uh, I, I personally, it doesn't affect me. So great job, Curran. <laughs> but anyway, so LA United, uh, they also started a Spanish Twitter account. Finally, Finally. very much requested. <laughs> Uh, it is now at Vamos ATL UCD. Uh, great to see because, yeah, there's a large uh, Spanish speaking community here that are just massive part of uh, the Atlanta United supporters and, you know, the whole setup. So, definitely, uh, yeah, it's great that there will be something for them to really latch on to and not only in English and have to translate it on. <laughs> and click I think it it'll on, do uh, well for their international profile as well, especially indeed. overseas in the Latin American. Because um, we have quite a, have, uh, quite a few of those type of players that uh, speak Spanish as well. So. Yeah, absolutely. Although in the announcement video, watching Brad Guzan speak Spanish was funny. Yeah, but <laughs> I think he's got experience with it. Oh, he know. does. It's, yeah. just, it's just funny watching. Out of everyone, it's just like, you pick Brad Guzan. It's, it's like true, it, yeah. it's either him or Jeff Moreno. So it had been like the two sure. picks where you're just watching it. It's like, this is funny. It's great, but also it's just funny. Yeah, no, I agree. Um, and uh, moving on from that, Joseph Martinez. Uh, I mean, we, this is three episodes in a row that we talked about this mural, but it is just uh, Joseph Martinez can't stop posting about it. And it's finally I mean, done as well. Yeah, it's finally done. And he wrote on IG uh, that thanks at, to Atlanta, essentially. I mean, yeah, he just absolutely loves it. Clearly, he does. I mean, he's made, I think, like four posts about it. I mean, who doesn't really? It's it's a thing of beauty. Uh, really, uh, kudos to Matt Leaders, the the artist, but uh, also uh, our boy Adam uh, on at uh, on Twitter at at Five Stripes Stunner. He had this perfect tweet about it. Uh, he said, "I'll believe Atlanta United doesn't rate in this town when you can tell me where the Matt Ryan or Freeman mural is at." Fair point. Oh my god, yeah. Because really, where are they? But. Uh, yeah, moving on from that, uh, according to Transfer Markets, uh, that website, LA United are the 19th most valuable non-European squad, uh, and we are the top MLS side in the rankings. Uh, I believe at 21 is LAFC. So yeah, I mean, good on LAFC as well for yeah their two years of short existence. Yeah, they've got some really good young players there as well. It's true, but. Speaking of young players, Efren Morales and Caleb Wiley uh, were called up to the USA U17s, uh, and Manchester United uh, are uh, monitoring Efren Morales. He's a defender, uh, massive dude, really. He, I believe he's like 6'4", or something like that. And unit, okay. Unit, uh, and he's a defender. Uh, he was kind of wrongly called a goalkeeper in uh, one of the articles that uh, pretty much said that uh, Manchester United... I love seeing a Manchester Evening News yeah. uh, link down here in the in the rundown. Gotta gotta love that. Yeah, but they they gotta get their facts straight. But, yeah, uh, they're actually not that reliable, for being yeah. perfectly honest. A little sad. Like, they're like tier four on Reddit for Man United, so... Yeah. But, uh, people who know what that means know what I mean. Yeah, but, uh, but essentially, yeah, I mean... 
they'll still, either way, they're keeping tabs on them. Really, really great to see. And yeah, I mean, more guys that can uh, kind of make that jump, the better because... Well, I mean, you have to look no further than Gio Reyna with Borussia Dortmund. I mean, he comes up through NYCFC's academy and now he's the youngest American to make their debut and get an assist in the Champions League with his assist to Erling Brett Holland. Although, Holland is just... He's on another level right now. That's... That dude is just made in the lab. Holy yeah. hell. Anyway, well, I could talk about him. Anyway, yeah. but yeah. Uh, so, Tito Bishaba has uh, scored for Libertad. Uh, he scored against Lucano. Uh, quite a great goal. Very, very Tito goal as well. He cuts in from, uh, you know, the right side onto his left. And uh, yeah, scores it, I think, from just on the edge of the box. I mean, really, really good goal. But, uh, and then also another former five strap LGP also scored. Uh, it, that was against Minorcas or Monorcas uh, for Cholos. And yeah, I mean, he was a, pretty much got the, um, yeah, the first goal, essentially the game winner maybe. And uh, yeah, really great for both of them because yeah, they've, uh, Got off the mark at their new clubs. Yeah, exactly. So, you know. And also a little note about LGP. He was watching the Atlanta United match last night on his little iPad. Yeah, indeed. And so it's always great to see. He was like, let's go, fellows. Which is uh, very interesting that he didn't say that in Spanish. He said it in English. Yeah. Oh, great. But uh, anyway, that does it for the news. It gets us to buy or sell. You got or not. Uh, basically for next buy segment. or sell. That's the next segment. Uh, buy or sell, basically Atlanta United uh, topic that we put up and we say if we buy it or sell it and give our reasons why. And first topic is that Miles Robinson will play more than three games in March. Buy or sell? Sell. I don't see him playing through more than three games in March. They're being a bit hush-hush on this injury, and I think with you know him coming off of his hamstring injury last year as well, you got to take it easy with him. He's an important player for your team. It's a long season ahead. You've got to be easy with it, and if you can have him for you know the the Club America game, if you get that far in the Champions League, great. But outside of that, you know, Champions League aside, MLS is a long year. Take it easy with them. Let him recover properly. Right. Yeah. Big picture. Uh, yeah. I think it's, I sell it as well. If he does, he maybe plays one, I feel like. But uh, it's one of those where there's so many, like, you know, the recovery of a quad injury takes a while. Um, and it just depends on the severity. So it, it's difficult to, to actually know. So. Moving on from that, uh, next topic is that LAFC will not make it further than LA United in the CCL. Yeah, they uh, unfortunately, they, LAFC lost uh, in their uh, first match in leg one, so that's why uh, we asked this, and we were actually able to get a positive result. So, you buy yourself. I'm gonna buy that. Um, unfortunately for LAFC, yeah, you know, their first first meeting is against a team that's of decent quality in Leon, and, and they went away and they, they lost 2-0, their defense didn't look so great, but, you know, if, if you had to bank on a team to be able to, to take on a good side, and do it at home. There's going to be a rocking atmosphere at Bank of California Stadium, and LAFC are going to be up for it. It's just, you know, it's, it's a shame because I think that if you have, like, say, an informed middle of July LAFC, I think they probably would absolutely, I would definitely bet on them to come back in this game. And I also think that they would have gotten something, at least in a way goal, in that, in, in, in that first leg against Leon. But yeah, I just think they're in a tough spot against an experienced team, and I'm thinking they're going to go out of the first time of asking here. And I think that Atlanta United are going to go through. And, you know, Atlanta United might not make it past the next round anyway with a difficult matchup against Club America on the horizon should they do the business. So, 
yeah, I'm 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 gonna I'm gonna buy that LAFC. You know, don't make it as far as Atlanta United. Yeah, uh, I agree. I mean, it's uh yeah, LAFC losing Walker Zimmerman is a massive part of uh, their back line that is missing now. Uh, so yeah, them conceding two it makes sense. It just almost is uh, almost too. Uh, too sensical, but uh, in terms of at home, it could be where yeah they might be able to score some goals, but how many do they let in as well? And then those are away goals for Leon. I don't yeah I don't see them getting through, but they could surprise. I mean they are really quite good at home yeah. as well. And also credit LAFC as well. They took 1,500 fans away to Mexico, so that says a lot about MLS and the fans and LAFC as a fan base as well. So credit to them. Exactly, that's that's massive for them. But yeah, and especially for LA United, I think yeah we're in a really good driver's seat here uh, to really get through and so yeah definitely I think uh, we, we do get further than them uh, but pretty much that is uh, by our cell and gets us to mailbag and you guys send in these questions through IG story please continue to do so and we might answer your question in the future first question that comes from Terminus United are we done signing players um I think a lot of it comes down to how much the transfer fee costs for a player because the money to pay a TAM player, a TAM level player is there, but the transfer fee is kind of factored into how everything works in terms of the salary cap. So maybe if you could work out something a la LA Galaxy style where you get them on a loan, um, maybe. I certainly hope that we go out and sign another central midfielder. I think that we're still very you know, scarce in that department and I'd love to see someone that could maybe challenge Jeff Renowitz and play in that holding role. I think that's something that Atlantiana desperately needs especially if they're going to play with the midfield three. Um, so I hope not, but my gut for right now says we probably are done signing players. Hmm. Uh, I think, yeah, because Frank DeBoer did say that, yeah, you know, we're still looking to always sign more players, and uh, basically the transfer window is still open for us. We can still make moves, um, and there being, uh, it's kind of, you know, the reports of uh, one, there being one senior roster spot, and then also, you know, of course, we have some reserve spots as well. There are capabilities of, I think, us making some moves. It's just a matter of, they're not big impact moves, but we still need to round out our depth because, yeah, central midfield, central uh, in the defense. Left back. Yeah, left back maybe as well. There definitely are some holes that just need to be filled out uh, with some experience. And, yeah, I think it's still entirely possible that, uh, you know, some other guys are brought in and, you know, guys with that have some experience. But... Uh, moving on, next question. Almeiden B23 asks or says, honestly, can't think of a question, but I can say that I love your content. No, thank you. Thank you so much. We really, really appreciate that. This type of uh, support is what keeps us going. But next question comes from underscore Bray21. Which of the new players we didn't get to see Tuesday will have the biggest impact? That's a very good question. Um, I'm gonna go for a, probably is the obvious choice, and that's Matthias Azzetto. Um, from the brief cameo we saw against Birmingham Legion, yes, I get that it's a lower quality opposition. He looked very tidy on the ball, he looked confident, and I think that he's gonna be a guy that can definitely grab some goals and some assists for Atlanta United this year, and I think he'll be in minutes getting in and around the box. So I'm gonna go for Azzetto. Yeah, um, I mean, I agree with Azzetto as well, but it's also Castro, I think, uh, yeah. Um, the type of goals that I think he scored uh, in the league that he was in, and plus, you know, I think 11 goals in a season, pretty tidy return as well uh, in one of the seasons with Montevideo, Montevideo Wanderers. Uh, yeah, I think he's got some qualities that we are kind of sorely lacking, especially in some 
of the areas that uh, we will be kind of short at times because maybe Ezekiel Barco or uh, maybe, you know, just uh, Joseph Martinez. You know, he goes with Venezuela. There are times where, you know, I think a Castro can really play a big part. Uh, and yeah, I mean, you know, maybe Mulraney as well uh, on the left, really just playing, just plugging in at the whole, you know, all the positions on the left flank. There are a lot of guys I feel like that uh, really will play a large part. And so, um, but yeah, I think Joseto probably is the runaway in terms of the most technical player probably. But uh, next question comes from uh, Josemar Medina. Can we expect George Bello to become a rotational player this season? Hmm. Uh, I think so. I mean, I think that he's going to play more than he played last year, which is all of one game. Um, we were talking beforehand, you know, about about what his role is and about what his development track is. I think that depending on the injuries and what happens at left back, I think he could make maybe say eight to ten starts across all competitions. I think U.S. Open Cup is definitely something that you could see him starting in. And if it's a multi, you know, match game week and depending on the opposition, I think that he could get some starts there as well. I think he does need to get some starts and some minutes in for his development, but I just don't see him playing that main role. So I guess like a rotational or maybe slightly below that would be what, what his role is this year. Yeah, I'm, I'm a little bit more bullish on him. I think, uh, yeah, he probably has about 15 to 20 games that he starts and hopefully is part of a few more uh, as well. Uh, but because, yeah, I think he is that guy that just out and out in terms of um, just everything that he offers going forward and going backwards uh, probably is the guy that uh, can really help us <laughs> just complete that left side really because it's been such a problem at times for us so um, you know if you can really put it together I think this could be a really big season for George Bell next question comes from Sam Holloman seven do you do you see Atlanta United continuing the 433 formation um, I like it. I've, I think, spoken multiple times about my like for the 4-3-3. Um, I prefer it because I think it gives us that extra hand in midfield, which I think is sorely needed at times, especially in terms of working the ball forward. Um, I think there are some issues with it, most notably Miles Robinson's ability on the ball in a back four. He'll have more impetus put on him because you can't hide him in the middle of a back three, but, you know, next to a Mesa or an Escobar who are both good on the ball. Um, so, yeah, that, that has some issues there as well, but... I think for me personally, I think 4-3-3 is maybe Atlanta United's best formation going forward given the personnel that it has, given the depth that it has. And yeah, if you can maybe make another midfield signing there, I think that it gets the best out of the players that you have. And I also personally just don't like the version of 3-4-3 or whatever it is DeBoer's trying to do with the back three. 3-5-2 is great, but also if you're missing Julian Gressel, I don't know if it works as well. Mm. Yeah, uh, I think uh, we will be, I think, playing it a lot more, but I think it is still in a 4-3-3. Uh, we saw that uh, the back line was pretty much bypassing the midfield anyway, uh, at least in the first uh, you know match of the season. And so, yeah, in terms of that midfield balance, we really still need to find it. Uh, I think Joseto will definitely help things when he is in midfield uh, to not only help facilitate and also uh, keep things ticking, but and also getting the ball to the final third for our attackers. But uh, yeah, I think it is where there's certain times, I think, with uh, a four-man back line, yeah, as you're saying, with Robinson as a uh, maybe part of a, you know, a pairing, a uh, two-man pairing, it is where, yeah, you can have Mesa and a Robinson as kind of that classic pair, but, um, you know, you start to, 
you know, you need someone that can sit in between the two center backs to really be able to uh, shield them, to be able to, uh, you know, help dictate things. And it's just, uh, there are times, and it's a worry for me if uh, Robinson is part of a pairing. So, and also, yeah, we need uh, more. You need a deep lying playmaker who can make things tick. And Jeff yeah. Lorenos is good at a lot of things, but I don't know if necessarily if he Late is 30. highlighted <laughs> in that role to be key player for Atlanta United this season, if that's the best use of his talents at his age. Exactly. So uh, last question comes from TJ1007550. Really? It's a lot of numbers. It's uh, a lot of numbers. <laughs> his question is, favorite manager attire? One, suit and tie. Two, track suit. Three, the pep style casual wear. Um, not three, because F Man City, um, <laughs> for obvious reasons. Um, I've always kind of liked the classic suit, but also, admittedly, it can be really frustrating. I think for Atlanta United, it makes sense to wear a suit because you're inside, so it's easier. But like, when I'm always thinking of this question, I'm thinking of England, and it's just like, if it's pissing down rain, the track suit and having a rain jacket's a whole lot easier. It's the most functional out of everything. <laughs> and also, it's what I wear 99% of the time, so I'm gonna go for the track suit because yeah. I wear that as my daily wear anyway, so. Yeah, no, that's fair. Uh, I think, yeah, it depends on the type of, uh, of manager or coach. You're going for the full-length jacket, right? Yeah, yeah, it's gotta be the <laughs> Uh, sleeping bag, you know. Your sleeping bag, which you own, by the way. Which I do own, but uh, yeah, if you ever see me out in the wild, I, I may be uh, wearing that sometimes. But um, no, I think for uh, different types of managers, like if you're a new manager, you maybe don't rock the suit because you maybe haven't earned that type of uh, cachet quite yet. Especially if you're, you know, maybe doing some, uh, you know, Gucci things or you know, just really going to the nines. Um, I think so in that sense, you should probably go with, you know, a tracksuit or uh, the puffy jacket or whatever. But uh, I think preference in terms of most of the guys, yeah, I think it's a suit because it, you know, gives off the most professional vibe. But also, I mean, Tata Martino, you know, he runs. That's, that's the vibe. <laughs> the, the sweater over the shoulders with the tie, that, that and the polo, that is the vibe. That's that should have been in the question because <laughs> if you have to pick one, that's the one you pick. Yeah, and he uh, he didn't win the best dressed coach for nothing. Exactly. So, anyway, that does it for pretty much uh, the entire show, except for the question of the day. And the question of the day is this, guys. Who do you think is going to have a bigger 2020? Ezekiel Barco or P.T. Martinez? Get down in the comments below and let us know what you guys think. And that's it for us today. Remember to subscribe to us if you haven't already. Share this episode and leave us a review and rating so we can pop up higher in your rankings. And for Tanner, I'm AJ. Thanks so much for listening. Yeah.